Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Righteous Ruckus Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Lowe, and last episode, I kind of went into, I guess I started a series, maybe you would call it, on on apologetics, and so to set that foundation, we went over truth, right? The What is truth? Is truth knowable? Um, kind of definition of truth and all that. And then, literally within a few days, I, mean, I was kind of debating on where to go next, and then this uh, so this video came across and it literally just, I mean, it didn't literally fall on my lap. It figuratively fell on my lap. <laughs> and so, uh, I decided to, it was, it was perfect. It lined up for a perfect application of what I'm talking about. Sometimes I think it's kind of, uh, difficult to grasp, especially if you're for, this is the, you're like just now starting to to get into apologetics or to think the apologetics way and kind of form your way of thinking. It can be kind of difficult to think of applications for that. And this is a great application for that. So without further ado, let's get into it. It's time to get off the church benches and into the trenches. Let's make a righteous ruckus. All right. So right before we get into the meat of this, uh, you can... Uh, the, the biggest thing you can do to help this, I, I'd ask you as a favor if you could share this episode with somebody somewhere, whether it's if you know them, if you don't know them, whatever, share it with somebody. Maybe it's somebody you like, maybe somebody you don't like, and you wish they would come around to the Christian point of view. Um, if you could share this with somebody, that would be a big help. I appreciate that. Um, so, like I was saying, the an application for this just just kind of popped up out of nowhere and I was like, oh, that'd be perfect, you know? That'd be a perfect idea to to break down kind of what I'm talking about here. So kind of, I guess, before I really get into what I want to, the, the really good application, here's a, I guess, somewhat of a humorous application of this is, is that what I want to get into is that even though somebody, and I don't have this problem because I'm not an extremely intelligent individual, but people who are very intelligent can still say nonsense, okay? And when somebody speaks nonsense, when an intelligent person speaks nonsense, it's still nonsense, okay? It doesn't matter if you're the smartest person in the world, if Albert Einstein said nonsense, it would still be nonsense. It doesn't mean it, it's super easy to get enamored by somebody's social status is what I'm getting at here. Okay. So if somebody has all these list of credentials and everything, like that's why some people, when you start, when you start applying this, they'll be like, Oh, what kind of, what, what kind of credentials do you have to be questioning somebody's truth oh are you a doctor are you a scientist are you a philosopher no i'm just a person but that doesn't mean i can't know what the truth is you know so like people will say well i've uh one example that comes to mind is people will say well how can you know christianity is true have you explored all of the other thousands of religions in this world well no the same way I don't go around saying, well, does 2 plus 2 equals 5? Is that right? No. How about, does 2 plus 2 equals 6? No. Yeah, well, I've got to explore all the infinite number of possibilities of 2 plus 2 before I can know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. No, when you know it's true, then you stop there. That's where you, that's where you stop. You don't have to keep looking for truth when you find truth. Okay, if that makes sense. So, 
Anyway, this this, this application here. So, like I said, uh, intelligent people can still speak nonsense, and one of the best ways to sound intelligent is to have a British accent. Okay, that's just the truth. Yeah, that's why they use them in so many infomercials and so many things where they want to. If somebody wants to sound articulate and very intelligent. They'll oftentimes have a British accent because to the rest of the world, it sounds very authoritative. So here's an example of, I'm thinking it's a British accent. And I've never heard this word pronounced this way, and I don't think anybody else has. So check out this video. This is from a, a cooking show. This is a really short clip, but check out this video. I still need a bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the microwave. Okay, did you catch that? The lady needed a bit of milk, full fat, which she's warmed in the microwave. For the rest of the world, that's called a microwave. Okay, and when you look up definitions of microwave and pronunciations, there is no phonetic description that says anything about microwave anywhere. And I looked, I looked up British. I looked it up. Right? There's no. If, if somebody out there can find where she's pronouncing that and, and where she's finding that pronunciation, please let me know because I would love to be enlightened. It may, it may exist, right? It obviously exists because she made it up. But I, that's almost one of those deals where we wanted to sound more articulate, so we said microwave instead of microwave, right? So we got we to gotta sound uh, more astute. So we, we come up with a bigger word or make a, make a common word sound bigger. That's just what it seems like to me. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just think that is a very humorous, humorous example of somebody sounding intelligent, but kind of speaking nonsense, right? We understood what she meant, but it didn't carry a whole lot of, whole lot of water there. So anyway, without further ado, the kind of this, the, the video that, that fell in my lap that I was like, wow, because it sounds super, super authoritative. It's a video is actually um, Neil deGrasse Tyson was on the Joe Rogan podcast, right? If for those of you that aren't familiar with the podcast world, the Joe Rogan experience is the number one podcast in the world, right? It's the number one in the world, which means that the Righteous Ruckus podcast is at two or below on that list. So, so somewhere below number one is where this podcast ranks. Okay. It's number one in my heart, but it's not on the list. So, um, anyway, so Neil deGrasse Tyson, if you guys aren't familiar with him, you'll recognize him in the video. And he's a very, very intelligent guy. I'm not going to take that away from him. Okay. Super, super intelligent. Actually, I looked up, here's a short bio on him. He's an American astrophysicist, author, and science communicator, right? Tyson studied at Harvard University, the University of Texas at Austin, and Columbia University. From 1991 to 1994, he was postdoctoral research associate at Princeton University. So, and he runs like this planetarium, right? He's an astrophysicist. This dude is smart. He's had a lot, a lot, a lot of education, very much formal education, and He's very well spoken, and in many times he's a lot. He's lighthearted, right? So he he has a great way of bringing these huge things down to kind of uh, layman's terms, right? That's where he excels at. At the same time, he can sometimes make things that are simple 
sound more complex than they need to be. And this was one example of those. This is just a short clip. I haven't even watched the whole clip, right? I'm not going to take anything away from him. This is, he just provided an example. He's a likable guy, right? He is an agnostic, so he's not a Christian, um, but he's a likable guy. And, but he just sometimes, I, I definitely don't agree with a lot of what he says, um, a lot of what it, but some of what he says I do agree with. But in this example, he is talking kind of about how science, the, the, the just science in general. Remember last time on last podcast, we talked about how science, um, you know, there's some people say, well, science is how you know truth. Well, all science is built on philosophy. Right? Without philosophy and the laws of logic, you cannot perform science. That's just the truth. And um, so in this clip, he's talking about objective truth. In his, in his definition of objective, objective uh, easy for me to say, objective truth is a great uh, definition. However, it, see if you can pick out, based upon listening to last week about different things, to, ways to think about truth, see if you can pick out kind of the the fallacy that he jumps into here and then i'll explain it after we after we listen to this so here's neil degrasse tyson on the joe rogan podcast an objective truth is something that is true whether or not you believe in it and the methods and tools of science are uniquely conceived to seek out and establish objective truths and this i'm in, referring to the invocation of the scientific method no one scientific result result research result is true until it is verified by other people's research results using a different experimental method with different wall current from another country when your competitor says i think you're wrong let me show how you're wrong and they re reproduce your experiment and get the same result okay so did you guys catch that so what he said at the beginning is very accurate an objective truth is tr something that is true, whether you believe in it or not, right? You, you, it is true. You can say it's not true, but that doesn't make it not true. It's still going to be true. However, like, because it's, see, it's super tempting if you watch that to, because he's a fast talker in that. And he says a lot of, uh, you know, somewhat elevated thoughts. Okay. If, if, I can I can describe it that way. So somewhat elevated thoughts to the point where he sounds astute. He sounds like he automatically has his credentials, you know, in your mind beforehand. And you know that he's an intelligent guy. So you automatically go into that feeling mismatched, right? Intelligently. <laughs> Obviously, I'm just making up new words like George Bush, right? So um, in the intelligence wise, you feel outmatched when you're listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson, because he, he brings with him an authority, right? He's an authoritative figure and because he's got credentials and he's built up this authority um, with social credit around us. Right? So, but what he says there is that no one uh, scientific test or result is true until it's proven and verified by somebody else trying to disprove it. Well, if it becomes true after somebody else verifies it, then that means it was true to begin with, right? So see, he violated his own standard. Remember, he said at the beginning of that clip, he said an objective truth is something that is true whether you believe in it or not. And then he goes on to say that 
no scientific truth is true until somebody that doesn't believe in it verifies it. You see, I just broke that clip down for you right there. He He's violating his own standard, basically. And that's what I'm talking about. When It's easy to spot things like this when you really tune your mind into this way of thinking and do that paradigm shift and not... And not, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I don't want to say smoke and mirrors, but there's a lot of things that come with being who he is that make everybody automatically assume that what he is saying is, is higher and better and more intelligent than we can comprehend. And he automatically just carries this authority with him that everybody just accepts that what he's saying must be factual because it's coming out of his mouth. And like I said at the beginning, when nonsense is spoken by intelligent people, it's still nonsense. Okay, he's saying that those scientific scientific truths or scientific results are not true until somebody else verifies them. But when somebody else verifies them, then they become true. But the reality is that means that they just verified that they were true to begin with. So actually, the scientific results are true even before they are verified. All the verification does is verify that they were, in fact, true. That's just basically saying, I, I sought out a second opinion and found out that actually it was true, right? So, and um, actually, when you when you really get into it, now this is purely, um, purely me going out on a limb here, but you could sort of apply that to the resurrection of Christ, right? What he's saying is, is by his definition there is if somebody says something is true then somebody else through their own experience finds out that it's true as well then that means it's been verified as true according to his standard there now i'm not going to jump into this and 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 try to pin him down on it just oh he said it's just two people but that's kind of what he did which is in line with the bible Two or three witnesses, right? Two or three witnesses would prove that something's true. An allegation is true. And here he's saying, if you could get two people with different perspectives to agree that something is true through their own experience, then that makes it true. So according to his standard, the resurrection of Jesus, who appeared to more than 500 people, after post-resurrection, he appeared to more than 500 people. And they all said, this is Jesus resurrected. Wow. All these eyewitnesses. So if, if two people in their own experience decide that Jesus has resurrected from the dead, if that makes it true, then 500 people resurrecting or verifying that he's been resurrected from the dead, that ought to make it beyond doubt right beyond doubt and actually that's what it is it's beyond a reasonable doubt that's you can't you can always say oh well maybe there's somebody out there that saw him that said i don't know if that's jesus or not but beyond a reasonable doubt is what we have with the eyewitness accounts of jesus right these the the gospels were written in the lifetimes of these individuals that saw jesus post-resurrection if if that would have been, if 500 people would have said, no, that's nonsense. I didn't see Jesus or I saw him and that was somebody else. Or we all, 
drank a bunch of Kool-Aid and were intoxicated and all had the same, um, same, you know, hallucination, then, then that would, that would invalidate the eyewitness testimonies. All right. They had the opportunity during our lifetime to discredit those authors, but they didn't because they agreed with those authors, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right. They agreed with them that, that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead. Actually, um, Josephus, which is an extra biblical author, a Jewish historian said that they believed his followers believed that he was risen from the dead. Well, why did they believe he was risen from the dead? Because they saw him. That's why they saw him. All right. Along with 500 other people. So I thought it was just kind of interesting. And I thought it would be a fun game for you to kind of try to pick out, um, the inconsistencies with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's statement. Now he has other statements that are inconsistent. He have other, he's has other statements that are that are factual and right on and spot on and great. Um, but it's just an example of an application of discerning the truth, right? Because it's super, super, super easy to get wrapped up in. Oh, this guy has authority, right? It'd, it'd kind of be like if your pastor came to you and said well this is what this is and you're saying oh well it must be true because it came from my pastor not necessarily all right you got to see if it aligns with scripture if it aligns with logic if it you know everybody makes we're all human we make mistakes i make mistakes you heard me earlier i couldn't hardly even speak the english language for a second so i'm far from perfect everybody's far from perfect neil degrasse the pie does neil there's me with my english language again neil degrasse tyson um, is far from perfect, but that's an application where it's very it's it's critical these days, especially to have discernment, right? And it's easy, easy, easy to get lost in the weeds with all these truth claims that are flying around about everything, right? And most of them are actually subjective truth claims and not objective truth claims, but and they just they, they try to make it out to be objective truth claims. But anyway, I just I hope that helps. It's just one example, and I hope that helps you um, to wrap your mind around that around that and kind of get in tune to the things to look for. And that's what I mean by apply the the statement to itself, right? And when you say oh, there is science is all that knows truth, or or only only truth is found in science. Okay, well is that a scientific truth? No, that's a philosophical philosophy truth philosophical truth right um when he says uh objective truth is true whether anybody believes it or not and then goes on to say well it's not true until two people believe it um then you know it's it's self-defeating is what i'm saying there right now his original definition of objective truth was great that's perfect spot on but his application and his description of it later on with his example was defeats his standard that he set, which was actual truth. So anyway, like I said, I, ho I hope that gets you uh, on the right track there and gets your wheels turning in your brain and gets you thinking about that. And until next time, I I'm not sure where I'm going to delve into next time. We'll, we'll figure it out, but it'll be uh, some, maybe another application of, of some apologetics of some sort. So um, I want to go out with this. This is a Bible verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21 for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.